You're listening to the Mount Pleasant Podcast. To learn more about our church, visit us online at www.mpbc.church. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. I want to share some words with you. Okay, you ready? You listening? Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. No, ma'am. No, sir. Please. Thank you. May I? Excuse me. Somewhere back in the recesses of your mind, can you remember being taught those words? Yes? Yes. And those are wonderful words, things that we were taught as children. In fact, it's interesting. When you hear those words, if you hear those words come out of a child's mouth today, you almost do this. What was that? In fact, you might look at that child and their parent and go, wow, that's so polite. Why? Because you don't hear much. True. It's true. Today we continue in our series, A Christian Home. We have been talking about the family. We have talked to the wives. We have talked to the husbands. And today we're going to talk to the children. The children. A Christian home. In fact, I want to see our children this morning, okay? If, and I know that the older ones won't want to say, I'm not some little kid, but, but just for sake of argument, those who are 18 years of age and younger, would you do me the favor of standing up for a moment? If you're 18 or younger, would you stand up for a moment? Wow, look at that. Stand up, stand up, stand up. Wow, can we give them a hand? Stay standing, stay standing. Awesome. Look around now. Fantastic group of young people. Okay, you may be seated. Thank you so much. Now, guys, children. This message is for you, and this message is for the parents. It's for literally anyone that still has a child, even if, I mean, don't we keep parenting mom and dad, our kids, even in their 30s and 40s and 50s? Yes. We get one verse for today. It's what we've been getting for the last two Sundays, and we're going to get one verse next week. We're talking to the fathers next week. Here's the one verse for this week. You got it? Colossians 3, verse 20. Here it is. Children, obey your parents in how much? All things, everything, for this pleases the Lord. About three weeks ago on Tuesday evening, January 21st to be exact, a brawl broke out at a basketball game in Lawrence, Kansas. The game was between the Kansas Jayhawks and their arch rivals, the Kansas State Wildcats. Man, it got bad. The game was essentially over. Kansas was up by 29 points when breaking a cardinal rule, a Kansas State player stole the ball as Kansas was trying to dribble out the clock. The K-State player stole the ball and was racing to the basket for a layup. Instead of letting him score, a Kansas player tracked him down, blocked his shot, knocked him down, and then stood over him, taunting. And then the melee broke out. And it got really bad. Lots of suspensions, lots of games. According to Kansas coach Bill Self, and I quote, what happened showed zero signs of toughness. 
It's a sign instead of immaturity and selfishness. It's no way for mature men to act. I agree wholeheartedly. But you know, we live in a culture today where our young people are socialized to react violently to being dissed or shamed, especially in sports. And it seems that for some parents this is okay. Because their kids' success means more to them than what's right or honorable. So let's say that someone acts in an unsportsmanlike way. Does that mean it's okay for us to do the same? Are we not to turn the other cheek and walk the second mile if we're Jesus' followers to forgive 70 times 7? Yes, unless it's sports. And then all bets are off. So you can play teams that maybe young people that you know are on the other team and you can shout at them and chant at them. Is that okay to holler at a kid just because he's on the other team? Even though you're Christians? Is it okay to taunt a kid on the other team simply because he's on the other team? Has it come to the place that sports trump Christianity? It's shameful and wrong when we as Christians excuse behavior in our children and even ourselves that's unchristian no matter what the setting. The point is this. We as parents are never going to be able to teach our children the ways of God, the expectations of God, if we don't act that way ourselves. If we don't have standards that place us before the cross of Christ. That's our logo. See it? If we ourselves as parents aren't following Christ and teaching our kids to act like Jesus and not the world, they're not likely to do so. We will never be able to teach our children to follow Jesus and be obedient to Him until we as parents are obedient to Him ourselves. And church, understand this. God wants our obedience. There's nothing wrong with Him desiring that. It pleases Him when we obey, much as it pleases parents when children obey, even when it's hard, even when you've been dissed and shamed. Remember Malachi 2.15, we talked about this verse three weeks ago. We were talking about family, and we were talking about that God made Adam and Eve and told them to be fruitful and multiply, and so that's it, right? God just wants a bunch of kids. No, He wants more than that. See it again on the screens. And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. God wants kids that act godly, that ultimately come to know Christ in our dispensation. So see our verse again. See it? Children, obey your parents in everything... For this pleases the Lord. Church families, we begin to break this verse down. Please understand, this verse is addressed to children. And you look at me and go, duh. But I got to remind you and remind me of this. Because do you know what happens in a lot of churches in America today? And literally throughout the world because they're learning from us. Do you know where the kids are? There would have been nobody standing up in here under the age of 18. Where are the kids? Well, the little ones are in a nursery. 
And then the, the, the kids in elementary school and so forth, they're in children's church. And then once you get in middle school and high school, they're in some youth group. And they're never in here. Ever. And you will never find that model in Scripture, not once. Do you know why we started doing this about 40, 50 years ago? Convenience. Because it's nice not to have them in here. They're not so loud and turning over stuff and making noise. And I remember when we adopted Andrew. He was three and a half years old, adopted him from China. He had a hernia, had a hole in his heart. He couldn't see very well at all, and he couldn't walk and had scabies, and we had to shave his head. Other than that, he was perfectly healthy. We got him home on a Thursday to the United States. We had him here in church on Sunday four days later, and he was awful. He could barely speak Chinese, much less English. But we had him in here, sitting right over there. The next Sunday, he was bad. The next Sunday, he was tolerable. And by the next Sunday, you might would have not even known he was here. Because you know what happened? He learned. He learned. You take a nursery, for instance, and you keep kids in a nursery until they're four years old, and you turn all the four-year-olds out, and you put them all in here, and they're four years old. Guess what? They're awful! Because they got to learn! Kids will learn when we expect them to. Did you hear that? This is a family of families. This is called the ecclesia. Okay? In the Greek, that means the gathering of the body of Christ. This is a family of families. The idea that children were not in the meeting hearing this read by one of the elders at the church at Colossae is absolutely asinine. Of course the children were there. Children, they're addressed. Children. And so we have children here. And so we don't have a children's church. We don't have a nursery. We have a cry room. But we want to get the kids settled and get them back out here. They'll learn. We don't have a youth group because we want the kids to be in here. We want them to be involved in the body life of the church. And that is scriptural. This idea of segregating the family as soon as they hit the parking lot, that this group goes to that building and that group goes to that building, we are fragmenting the family of God. It's not in Scripture. But it's convenient though, isn't it? Hey, Mom and Dad, do y'all ever go out to a restaurant with those rug rats? Huh? It's hard, isn't it? You go into a restaurant, right? Man, they're they turning stuff over, flipping stuff over, throwing crayons at the next, you know, people at the table. You got to manage them there. Or do you expect them when you walk in at Applebee's that they got some little place for your kids? Kids, come over here. Thank you very much. Y'all have a nice dinner, Mom and Dad. No! Why should we expect that at church? Especially when the Word of God is being taught. When the children can see and learn from us and watch people praising the Lord and seeing people come to Christ and, and experiencing the presence of God. It's just easier to stick them off somewhere and put a video in and eat some Cheetos and drink some grape Kool-Aid. I get it, but it's not in the Bible. Children 
they were addressed here. It is absolutely, and mom and dad, this is a season of time. I know it's hard right now. I know it's hard. It was hard when our kids were little. And some Sundays are worse than others. I mean, some Sundays you're like, why did I even come? But I'm going to tell you something. One day you're going to get old like me. And you're no longer going to be staring your children in the face. You're going to stare your grandchildren in the face. And you're going to go, where did it go? This too shall pass. It's a season of time. And it's a blessed season of time. Enjoy them. I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 4, please. Now it'll take me just a moment to get there because I want to set this up. It's critical, mom and dad, that we understand, children in the room, that we understand that there's just one overriding command in Scripture to the children. You know what the one overriding command is? You ready? Obey your parents. That's what you're going to see. And I, and I want to show you this. The book of Proverbs is a book of, of, of wisdom writings written by Solomon to his sons. And I want you to see this. You've made your way there. Proverbs chapter 4, pick up in verse 1. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight, for I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. That means obey me. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me. So Solomon's talking about his dad. That would be David. Let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments, and live. Now you're still in Proverbs. I'm, all I'm doing is turning the page. Go to Proverbs chapter 6. You were in Proverbs 4. Go to Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20. Verse 20. My son... Keep your father's commandments, and, and ladies, here, here you come, and forsake not your mama's teaching. What are we to do? Obey our parents. Okay, turn one more time with me. Go to Proverbs 7. Proverbs 7, verse 1. Turn the page. My son, keep my words and treasure up, it's a treasure, my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye, means value them. Bind them on your fingers and write them on the tablet of your heart. That means memorize them. To write them on the tablet of our hearts is a way of saying memorize the scripture. Mom and dad, you know what we just did? We read the Bible together as a family out loud. Does this ever happen in your home? That's where some of you don't want to look at me. I understand. I used to think I had a Christian home too. And we never read the Bible out loud. We did everything else. We did every sports thing that you could imagine. We had our favorite TV shows. We did, and we would say we had a Christian home. We never read the Bible out loud. How can we say that we're trying to raise our kids to be Christ-like if we don't ever read the manual? There's something powerful about the Word of God. You know that, don't you? You know what the Bible says of itself? That it's a sword. Hebrews 4.12, it's sharp as a double-edged sword and divides down to the marrow of the motive and the truth. It gets to the truth. It's supernatural. You know, you can quote Scripture and your kids are sponges and they will soak it up. You won't have to do all that hollering and screaming, Mom and Dad. Do y'all ever holler and scream in your house? See who can holler the loudest and get that little vein right there to pop out. <laughs> you know what happens when you start hollering and screaming? Well, you're just hollering and screaming. You don't accomplish much other than look like a, like a fool, like a you know, raving lunatic. 
Listen, I'm speaking from experience. The finger I point at you, there's three pointing back at me. Listen, I don't stand up here being an authority. I don't stand up here being a know-it-all. I'm still learning just like you. I've raised, Pam and I have two kids. They're married now. We're starting to have grandkids. I've still got two 14-year-olds in the home. I get it. But mom and dad, if we'll use the Word of God, it is supernatural. You won't have to holler and scream when you quote Scripture. Your kids are fighting fussing at each other. And now they're taunting each other. Back and forth. Like that brawl that broke out at Kansas State. Well, you block my shots. I'm going to stand over you. And you say, no, let's quote some scripture. You know, we got scripture up at our house. I've told you this before. We just printed out on little white pieces of paper and stuck it on the mirrors in the bathroom. It's on the refrigerator. It's on the doorpost. You know what one of the verses we have is? Ephesians 4.29. You know what Ephesians 4.29 is? Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up, that it may benefit those who listen. And so instead of breaking up a fight by heart, I told you to quit arguing with each other. <laughs> you can just say, stop. Ephesians 4.29. Go. Go. Oh, Ephesians and they quote the scripture. Proverbs 15, 1. You know that one? A gentle answer turns away wrath. A harsh word stirs up anger. Stop, stop, stop. Proverbs 15, 1. Go. Mom and dad, the word of God will do the work and you won't have to holler and scream and you won't look like a big lunatic. It is supernatural. It is amazing what the Word of God will do when it gets into the hearts and minds of our kids. But we have to read it with them. So many Christians at home never read the Bible. They never read the Bible out loud. The Apostle Paul reminded young Timothy of his upbringing. I want you to see the screens. You know, Timothy didn't even have a dad in his life. Either he was missing or dead. Uh, we know that he was, a, he was a Gentile. He was not a follower of Christ. He just had a mom and a grandma who trained him. And see the screen, 2 Timothy 3.14, But as for you, Paul told Timothy, Continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from, see it, how from childhood, some versions say from infancy, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. You say, my children are too young. They're only three years old. Oh, you'd be amazed at what a three-year-old can learn. Read the Bible out loud. Read it out loud. Quote Scripture. Break down the Scripture in little phrases for them to learn. They'll remember it the rest of their lives. They're sponges. They'll soak in what you give them. It's been said every home is a classroom. What is yours teaching? What is mine teaching? Are you reading the Word of God in your home? If you aren't making it a practice, you should. In fact, I'll tell you, you must if you want to raise Christ-centered kids. It won't happen any other way. I want to show you a Bible book that our family has used. I want to share some things that's helped our family. Can I do that for a moment by way of personal testimony? I've shared this with you before. We've, and I'm not being paid to say this. I don't get nothing for this. This storybook is awesome. It's a, it's a child story Bible, and it is fantastic. You can buy it online used for five bucks or new for 20. And, and now our kids who are married are using this with their kids. It's a great book. It's a Bible book. It's a, it's a way of explaining some of these stories in a way that the kids can grasp. Hey, do y'all read? Do y'all read books? 
mom and dad? And some of you go, I read Facebook. <laughs> no. No, I mean books. Do you know so few parents read anymore? We don't read. We just watch stuff. And I'm not saying that's wrong necessarily. You can, you can watch, I guess, but, but we need to avail ourselves and equip ourselves. Now, I'm not anything I shared with you a moment ago, um, but I wanted to remind you again that I have taken the Scriptures on child rearing and I've encapsulated them in a book. I wrote it years ago. It's been a decade. It's called Rite of Passage, and they're back there in the back. Go get a copy, especially if you're a young family. Get a copy. You say, where are all the Scriptures that pull all this together? It's in a book back there, and it's free. <laughs> I told you about my daughter's book. We got more of those in. In fact, her book got, got gone quicker than my book. In fact, it's getting gone quicker again. And if we run out, there's a piece of paper back there. You can write your name and a, a text phone number or an email. But uh, The Unbroken Road. And it's a fantastic book. Not just because my daughter wrote it, but she describes in that book what it's like to live the Christian life when you're kind of like a salmon. You're swimming upstream against the world. What it looks like to save yourself, young ladies, for your husband. And, and how you're going to be looked at is strange when you do that and weird. And, and what it looks like to grow up in a pastor's home when the pastor's not exactly getting it all done correctly. And there's some things in there that's, you know, I'm like, I wish I hadn't have done that. But I did. You know what? That's fine. Warts and all. That's how we grow. It's a great book. You ought to get a copy of it. And then I've written a book on dating. Mom and Dad, you got to train on this stuff now. you got seven, eight, nine-year-olds. you got to already start talking about it. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, the in-depth stuff. We're not talking about birds and bees. We're just talking about what is it going to look like? Because we've got so many issues in our culture now that by the time kids get married, they've had all these broken relationships, and it's like, a, it's like a sticky note. How many times can you put a sticky note on a piece of paper and rip it off over and over and over again, and eventually it doesn't stick anymore? And so often that's what's happening. And in fact, it's not even a book. It's a book on dating back there, but it's only 36 pages. Honestly, even if you're a slow reader, you can read it in 45 minutes. Read. Avail yourself of these things. There's something else that we do around here. We do daily devotions. You say, I don't even know how to do a devotion. Well, that's fine. We've done it for you. Go online or to our app and sign up for the daily devotions. There are about 800 words. Get, get this. Did you know that we can speak the average person about 100 words a minute? So 800 words is how long? You go, I don't know. Eight minutes. Eight minutes. And you can read it right off your phone and share this with your family. It's pretty powerful. There's something else we started doing back in the fall. It's called Real Time Truth. It's a podcast. You can listen to this in your car. Real Time Truth. We, we've done all kinds of podcasts that are out there now. We did a podcast on how to have a spiritual vision for your home. We did a podcast on how to do devotions that are, that are not like having a root canal. Okay? We, we've done devotions on all kinds of topics. Things that, that, that are available to help you. We, we did a devotion on how to be a gatekeeper in your home. How to manage all these cell phones for our teenagers and so forth. We did a, a Real Time Truth podcast and we brought Pam in, my wife. And she shared from the perspective of a mom about raising kids and how it's not all cookie cutter. You got multiple kids. One thing works for one, it doesn't work for the other. You get that. 
And what does that look like? And, and, and what are the steps involved? Mom and Dad, if we, we want to teach and train our children, we, we've got to invest time. We've got to equip ourselves. And see, that's my passion. It's one of the reasons God called me into the ministry, was to equip families. Because the most important thing in your life, it's not a thing, it's, it's, it's people. It's those people that look like you. It's those people you love the most. Do you and I expect our kids to obey? Children, the Bible says, we read it in Colossians 3.20, children, obey your parents and the Lord. Do you expect your, your kids to obey? When? Oh, when you count to 10, right? 7, 8, 9, 10. When do they straighten up? At 9, 7, 8, 9, 10. Oh, but you're a little more spiritual than that. You only count to three. One, two, three. Do you know when kids will obey? When you expect them to. So why count? Why? Hey, when your boss asks you to do something, does he or she count? One, two, three, four. Of course not. That would be ludicrous. If you're in the military, does the drill sergeant count as he's kicking your hind end? <laughs> Billy Graham shared, I thought, a great quote about obedience. He said this, see the screens? Billy Graham said, the basic reason for unhappiness in the home is that we have disregarded God and the principles He has given us. It is well known that obedience doesn't come naturally. Amen to that. It must be taught and learned. Children must be taught obedience just as much as they are to be taught to read and write. Turn in your Bibles with me. You're, you're in Proverbs. Go now to Hebrews. Let's go to the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 12. Now this is a passage we looked at several months ago now, but it's been long enough I thought we'd return to at least a portion of it. This is a passage that contains one of the best descriptions for, I think, what we all want in our homes. Can, can I categorically tell you what I already think I know about you and your home? Do you know what I think I know that you want in your home and I want in my home? It can be summed up with one word, peace. I see a lot of nodding heads and I saw some amens being mouthed. Don't you want peace? We all do. You want to know how to get it? You want to know how to get it? You ready? Here we go. Hebrews chapter 12, go down to verse 9. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers, we're going to talk about fathers next week, who disciplined us and we respected them. Oh, that's good. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits, that's speaking of God, and live? For they, the, our earthly fathers, they, yes, they disciplined us for a short time. It's a short season of time as it seemed best to them. But He, God, disciplines us for our good, that we may share His what? God wants us to be, oh, that word starts, it's happy. God wants us to be, no, no. God wants us to be holy. And can I blow your mind? When you're holy, you will be happy. That might blow your mind, because we live in a world that even says to Christians, no, you can't be holy and be happy. That's a lie from the pit of hell. When you're holy, you will be happy. 
Because God made you in His image. And, when, and that image is His Spirit. And when you're, when you're at peace in your spirit, living a holy life, you will be happy. Watch this. Verse 11. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, there it is, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. We must train. So what's your home like? Is it peaceful or chaotic? Is there stability in your home? Let me ask you this. Is there structure in your home? Does anything happen at the same time every day? Kids love routine. They find comfort and security in routine. And in so many homes, there is none. What time do your kids go to bed? Is it a set time? It should be to build that routine. It should be. Now, maybe it's different, maybe on a Friday night or a Saturday night, it's the weekend. But during the week, they need a set time. And you need to stick to it because that builds structure. And if you don't, you know what you're going to end up with? Tired, cranky kids. And guess what? Tired, cranky kids don't obey well. Ask, ask the teachers in the room. When I'm tired and cranky, I don't obey well. Neither do you. We've got to be intent. We've got to build structure in our homes. We're not talking about running a military institution, but we're talking about just basic structure. Let me tell you what else helps to bring structure in our homes. Chores. Chores. What are those? Work. Every family in here has an economy. Okay? I'll use my name. The Browns have an economy. At 8699 Boone Trail, there's a family that is running an economy. Okay? In that house, there's laundry. Right? There are dishes to be washed. Right? There's work to be done. Your children are part of that economy. Can I ask you a question? Can a five-year-old do laundry? Yes, if it's towels and washcloths, can they fold squares? Yes, and if they can't, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Surely you can teach them to fold squares. That would help them to learn their shapes. Have them fold them into triangles. Let me ask you this. Can a teenager run a dishwasher? Come on, they can upload a picture to Instagram with a filter. I know they can run a dishwasher. I can't even do that. They can run a washing machine. They can learn how to separate the colors. They can do that. And they can fold those said clothes and put those said clothes in the drawers in their said room. Unless you're running a Holiday Inn and you're the maid. So many kids are growing up to be entitled brats. If you can't say amen, say oh my. Let me tell you what else brings order and structure in a home. It's how you let them talk to you. Because how you let them address you is how they're going to address other people of authority in their lives. Can they holler and scream at you, mom and dad? Can they order you around? Hey, hey, watch me. Look at me now. Can they do this to you? Oh, 
What's that? The old eye roll. I got a verse for you, Mom and Dad. Just for you. This is a great verse. You ready? This, this verse, man, you can take this to the bank. You ready? Watch the strings. Here it goes. Watch this. Proverbs 30, 17. The eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. And the kids are going, oh, no, I'm looking for birds. This is hyperbole. What does that mean? You know, Jesus said, if your right hand offends you, cut it off. He wasn't actually talking about us amputating body limbs. He was talking about how serious it was to offend ourselves in temptation. And the same is true here. Mom and Dad, it's just, this is hyperbole. We shouldn't let our kids mock us that way. That's disrespectful and it's disobedient. Mom and Dad, if they won't obey you, they're not likely to obey the Heavenly Father. Dad, if he won't obey you, he's not likely to obey God. So often, I'm guilty of this. It's so easy to try to parent behavior and not parent their hearts. They, they, they've done something wrong, and, and you're arguing, and they're arguing back with you, and that little vein's popped out in your head, and you say, go to your room. Goodness. What has that accomplished? Answer? Nothing. Nothing. You sent them to their room. What if you said this? Hey, 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 stop, 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 stop. Come here, come here. Sit down, sit down. Let's sit down. Let's talk. Let's talk. Hey, no, we'll talk about what you did in a minute. Listen, how are you? Talk to me now. How are you? You seem agitated. I know. I seem agitated too. It's okay. And maybe you touched their hand. Talk to me, honey. What are you feeling? Is something going on? You know what? When you talk to your kids, you learn stuff. Maybe they're afraid of something. Maybe they got something going on with a sibling. Maybe they got something going on with somebody at school. Maybe they've had a fight with a friend. You know, you know how you are when you've had a hard day at work? You take it out on people, right? The ones you love the most. Talk. Talk. We can set up all kinds of rules. But rules without a relationship, Josh McDowell says, leads to rebellion. Rules without relationship leads to rebellion. We build the relationship, and we parent the heart. And when we parent the heart, the behavior will begin to take care of itself. We get it reversed. Chief of sinners here, we parent the behavior, and we just go to your room. I believe there are three types of parents. I want to show you these three types of parents, see which one you might be. Here's the three types of parents. Number one, the permissive parent. Number two, the authoritarian parent. And number three, the consistent and responsive parent. The permissive parent. That's the, that's the parent that wants their kid to be their friend. They want to be their kid's pal. Hey, newsflash, your kid doesn't need a pal, they need a parent. This is the parent that does everything for their kid. I mean everything. There are no chores for this kid. You do everything for them because you are scared of them, and that's the truth. There's some 35-pounders running around here that's ordering around some people that weigh, well, I won't tell you how much you weigh, but what you doing letting a 35-pounder running you around like that? You don't think it happens? Go to Walmart and go to the checkout aisle. 
Oh my goodness. We're afraid of our kids when we're running a Holiday Inn instead of a home. The inmates are running the asylum. And you're being manipulated. You are being manipulated. Mom and Dad, do you want to know if you're a permissive parent? Can your child say no to himself or herself? When they mess up, do they take ownership and responsibility or do they blame you? Do you always become the problem? Are you a permissive parent? Well, do you fix two meals? Do you fix two meals? Huh? I mean, you, you're fixing broccoli and, you know, like you know, hamburger steak and, and, you know, maybe a salad and, and some bread. I ain't eating that. And so you fix what you always do. Macaroni and cheese, chicken nuggets and fries. And you know what you say? Well, she's just picky. Newsflash, last I heard, when you don't get to pick, you ain't picky. <laughs> How many of us old people like me got to pick? It was sat on the table and I ate what was there or I didn't eat. And I'm still here in all my glory. <laughs> I did not die. Because they like, I'm going to die. I'm going to shrivel up if I have to eat a piece of broccoli or lettuce or whatever. I get it. Do they run from work? Do you manipulate them, bribe them to get them to do what you want them to do. You are a permissive parent, and they are using you. They are playing you like a fiddle. Are they ungrateful for their food? Are they ungrateful for their clothes? And the things that you provide for them, it's never good enough? If the answer is yes to the majority of these questions, then you might be a permissive parent. Think of Jeff Foxworthy. You might be a redneck if... The authoritarian parent, parent number two. This is the parent that rules with an iron fist. They're a dictator. It's their way or the highway. They lord over their children, and their children are absolutely petrified of this parent. You bark out your orders, and some might even look at a situation and say, mm, my goodness, man, she is being so mean to her kids right now. It's easy to be condescending to our kids because they're little. They're smaller than we are. And sometimes it makes us feel better because we don't have any control on anything else, so we're going to control those kids. And the boss has made you mad, so you're going to take it out on Junior. Been there. I fight against it myself. It's easy to get there, but I'll tell you what, mom and dad, a child who lives in that kind of environment never feels secure, and they will internalize a great deal of fear and doubt. And often these kind of children will grow up with great bitterness and anger that has to be talked out, usually in a therapy session with a counselor. Parent number three, this is the one we're after. This is in the middle. 
Okay, it's not over here, it's not over here, it's in the middle. Watch. This is the consistent and responsive parent. This is the parent that finds the middle ground. Listen, they have realistic expectation based on their child's age, their child's temperament, and their child's maturity because they're all not the same. We talked about that a moment ago. You got different kids, they act differently. You got one kid that's more compliant and one kid that bucks everything, right? If you'd have had that second one first that bucks everything, you probably wouldn't have had another one, right? Usually the compliant one's born first. They're trying to keep peace. We have expectations, and they're realistic. We love our children unconditionally, but we have expectations nonetheless. These type of parents are responsive to their kids. That means they talk. They don't act in anger and hostility. They use the Scripture to guide them. And there are consequences for disobedience that's fair and has been expressed ahead of time. The discipline is consistent and it's loving. And there are no entitlements in this home. It's not a holiday inn and you're not the maid. Instead, you have a productive, loving home with peace. But this home, for it to exist, there must be a lot of talking talking. We must draw our children into conversations. That's more than just, how was your day at school? Fine, good. Off they go. They're in the room. Don't talk again. Did you get your homework done? Okay. How'd you, how'd you do on the test? A C? What do you mean you make a C? You need to study more. Get into your room. That's the conversation. That's it. No, you don't have no idea what's going on. Why'd you make a C? What's the deal? Not, it's not an inquisition. You're like, can I help? Can I, can I? But oftentimes we don't want to help because we got our own little thing to do. We're tired. We're worn out ourselves. Let me, get, let me read a book. Oh, yeah, Facebook. Let me, let me get on that a little while. Okay? And so we never talk. We're just like ships passing in the night. We, just, we, we live under the same roof, but we're never together. We never talk. We never eat meals together. We never do anything together. Let me show you a verse. Proverbs 20, verse 5. Great verse. The purpose in a man's heart, a person's heart, a child's heart is like deep water. Your kid's heart is like deep water. But you, a person of understanding, you're going to draw out that water. And the way you dig down and draw out that water out of that well is you've got to spend time with them. And you've got to talk to them. Talk, talk, talk. I want to show you five must-dos. Five must-dos. Watch this. This is something that I've learned through the years. First thing, eat meals together at a table preferably, not out of a bag in a van, and talk. There's that talk. With no distractions. What does that mean? It means you put the cell phones aside. You go, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm an important person. You're not as important as you think you are, nor am I. You say, well, you need to be on call 24-7. Where does it say that in the Bible? Can I tell you what it says in the Bible about me as an elder? If a man doesn't first take care of his own household, let him not think he can take care of the church. That's why so many preachers' kids are the worst in the community. They've been spending time with everybody else's kid and don't ever spend any time with their kid. And I'm not sacrificing my family on the altar for anybody else. Because I cannot manage and do the work of an elder in this church if I don't first take care of my own family. That's 1 Timothy chapter 3. We sit down at a table and we talk. We put the cell phones aside. You hear it buzzing. Zzz, zzz, zzz. Let it buzz. Let it buzz. And talk to your family. It lets them know that you're more important than the buzz. Number two, simplify and defragment. 
truth is, we're just overloaded. Most families are overloaded. You got, you, we want our kids to be so well-rounded that, well, they're so well-rounded that they're, well, we're never around each other. Number three, pray over your children out loud. Yeah, out loud. We've talked about this one. Man, it's amazing when our kids hear their names called out loud. And you've had that conversation with them, and you know what's going on in their hearts and lives, and then you pray that out loud for them. Oh, what comfort it brings. Number four, limit screen time. This is huge. Mom and Dad, if you've got a teenager and you let them go to bed with their cell phone, I can guarantee you that that is going to be a temptation for them. You understand that? We've got this thing in our house, in our kitchen, it looks like Medusa. You know Medusa? That, that woman with all those snakes coming out of her head? Andrew bought this thing. He loves technology. Like 35 bucks. Bought it with his own money. He said, I think we ought to plug all of our stuff. We had been. We just got drop cords everywhere and all kinds of power strips and everything. So we got this nice little concise thing with all these things coming out of it. Got my cell phone plugged up, their cell phone plugged up. Got my computer plugged up, the iPads plugged up. It's Medusa. And we all go to bed. And we go to sleep. Because mom and dad, if you've got a 12-year-old daughter and somebody Snapchats her at 2 a.m., you know what she is almost guaranteed going to do? What? Check it. She's going to check it. Because the brain synapses are not to a place in her young mind that she can tell herself no. We have to help our kids tell themselves no. And number five, have fun. And I put there in parentheses, catch lightning bugs. We have a world record in Perlier. 29 lightning bugs in one night. 29, and no squash bugs on the rim of the can. They don't count. I don't care if they're still lighting up. That's weird, isn't it? You ever done that and just squash that thing and the thing's still? Man, that's crazy. They got to be crawling around. 29 lightning bugs. You know, I watched my, my kids. I watched Katie, who's now married, and Josh, and Charlotte and Evie last summer. They were catching lightning bugs out in their front yard. I could see across the way, and I'm an old sap now. So what did I do? I teared up. <laughs> I said, they're catching lightning bugs. I could hear Charlotte and Evie squealing and screaming. Just have fun. It doesn't even have to cost money, you know? Just get a jar and put a hole in the lid and go catch lightning bugs. See if you can break our record, 29. Try it. Somebody will. Somebody like, I'm going to break your record. Text me, email me. These are things that are intuitive, church. As we close today, there's one last critical area. I'll be quick. One last critical area we need to discuss. You know, as we raise our children, we do a lot of pleading, don't we? We plead with them to stay away from alcohol and drugs. We plead with them to avoid sexual promiscuity. <laughs> we have to plead with them now to pass on vaping. Who knew of that three years ago? We plead with them to keep their language clean. We plead with them to learn a good, strong work ethic. We plead with them to respect adults. We plead with them to read their Bibles, to listen to good music, to get off their phones, to not be envious of others. We plead a lot, don't we? And a lot of times we find out that that was not enough. Sadly for many parents, it isn't enough. All the pleading, as time goes along, the young man or young lady strays away and the parent asks, where'd we go wrong? And I can tell you where we might can point the finger. Oh, there'd be plenty of places we can point fingers, but I'll tell you what I believe the catalyst is for what is responsible for draining the light out of our little Johnnies and our little Susies, and it's their friends. 
mom and dad, who your kids run with is most likely who they're going to act like. And you know that. Can I show you a verse? Proverbs 13, 20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. If you have a dog that runs with a pack of dogs that has fleas, guess what your dog's going to get? Fleas. Mom and Dad, what are your children's influences? Who has their ears? You see, I can tell you from personal experience, and I bet you can too, that almost every single not-so-holy thing that I was exposed to as a youth came by way of my friends. Kids are usually introduced to these things by their friends, and most of the time they're blindsided. And that's why we do a lot of role-playing at my house. We role-play. What if somebody offers you drugs? What if somebody offers you sex? What if somebody offers you this? And we role-play it. For the Carolina fans, how many of you watched the debacle of a basketball game with Duke last night? Okay, so, I mean, even the Duke fans feel sorry for me today. Thank you so much. <laughs> Trey Jones, who was the guard for Duke, had role-played something with assistant coach John Shire after practice. He said this after the game. Some of you may have seen it on ESPN. What had he role-played? Missing a foul shot. Missing a foul shot where he could get the rebound. They were down by three. He hit the first free throw. They needed the ball back so that he could hit a two or a three to send it into overtime. He and Coach John Shire had practiced, and Coach Shire said, we're going to role play this. We may never have to use it, okay? But I want you to take two steps, small steps to the right, and instead of shooting the ball, instead of shooting it, as soon as the referee hands it to you, before anybody's even ready, chest pass it right off the rim. Referee hands it off, bang, got it. Dribble, 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 shot, score. Overtime, Duke wins the game. He said, I credit being able to do that because I had been there before. He had practiced it. Mom and Dad, we need to role play with our kids. Role play these situations, things that they're going to encounter. What do you believe about this? What do you, what do you believe about creation? What do you believe about marriage? What do you believe about sexuality? What do you, what do you believe about this? What do, you, what do you believe about drugs and alcohol? Is it okay? What do you believe about cheating? What do you believe about cussing? What do you believe about... And we've got to talk about these things because you, you might think they believe one thing, but if you don't ever talk to them and don't ask them, you don't know. So often they're going to be influenced, especially as they get older, more so by their friends than you. So might I say this, and here's the truth. We are generally going to go into the direction of our closest friends. And I can tell you this is almost a universal rule. We are the sum total of the five people we spend the most time with. That's for the adults too. We are the sum total of the five people we spend the most time with. Who are you spending time with? That's who you're going to become like. So mom and dad, you got to think about that. you got to think about before you let little Johnny go home with, with little Bob. What's little Bob's house like? What's, you understand what I'm saying? So we end this morning where we started. I want our children to stand up. Sorry, kids that are 18. I don't mean to call you a kid, but I need you to stand up. If you're 18 and younger, stand up for me. Look at them. Aren't they wonderful? Now, yeah, yeah, give them a hand. Now, if you're a parent and you're near them, I want you to do something for them. I want you to place your hand on them. Try to put your hand on their shoulder or their back. 
and we're going to pray for them. Thank you for joining us for today's message. Find us at www.mpbc.church and on Facebook at facebook.com slash mpbcnc. Have a great day, and we hope you'll join us again next week.